everyone, and welcome to Inside Art Scroll, where the books you read and the people who write them come to life. Today we're joined by Rabbi Avram Biederman, longtime editor here at Art Scroll Masora. It's a pleasure to have you here in the studio. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for bringing me to life. <laughs> pleasure is ours. We're very excited to be discussing today a particular project that I know is very close to your heart, the Chumash with teachings of the Talmud. For those out there who are not familiar with this Chumash at all, give us a little insight into what is unique about the Chumash and also the amount of work that went into it. Okay, let's start with what's unique about it. When Moshe went up to, up to Har Sinai, Hashem gave him not only the five books of the Chumash, but there's a, there was a lot of interpretation, there was a lot of explanation that went into that. The Chumash is shorthand for the entire Torah. And that entire Torah is our Shas, our Shulchan Aruch, all our, all our Torah works are based on what Moshe was taught at Sinai. This volume presents the teachings that are in the Talmud Bavli and Yerushalmi on each Pasuk. So it's basically Torah Shabbat that you're bringing as a commentary to Torah Shabbat Would that be a synopsis of what you did? That's correct, but it's not just the commentary. It is actually the commentary that Moshe Rabbeinu got at Har Sinai for what the Torah says. Now isn't Rashi's commentary really a compilation besides for Rashi's own comments on Psukim, but he's constantly quoting Gemaris, Mepharshim, he, he uh, Medrashim, and things like that. Isn't that in essence? He does to a certain extent, but this brings all the teachings okay. in Babylon Yerushalmi. Is there an overlap between what you're bringing in the uh, teachings of the Talmud commentary and Rashi? Sometimes. Okay. But there's also a work called Torah Tzmimah. The reason that it's called Torah Tzmimah is because it's the entire Torah. And the point mm-hmm. is that it's also combining the Torah Shabbat Sav and Torah Shabbat Peh. What, what he did, though, is he took many Midrashim, and he does not bring down the Halachic Midrashim, he also, but he does not bring down the, Agade, the Agadic teachings of the mm-hmm. Talmud. We do that. We don't bring down anything that's not in the Talmud. That would be too much. Her Medrash itself is 17 volumes. Right. So that would be too much to... So this is like an English Torah Tamima, but an extended, expanded version. In, in many and ways. I also noticed that you have uh, excerpts or selections from the Sefer HaChinuch. Right. Tell us about that as well. We will we'll get to that in a moment. Okay. But what we did was, though, we didn't cite the Gemara. What we did was we adapted the Gemara mm-hmm. so that somebody could pick this up, a 12-year-old could pick this up, or somebody who has had no exposure to Gemara study in their life, and see what the Gemara teaches about something, or Yerushalmi teaches, and, and the language of the Yerushalmi is particularly difficult even for people that learn Gemara, mm-hmm. Bavli, Talmud Bavli. The language of the Yerushalmi and the structure of the Yerushalmi is very difficult, and the syntax of the Yerushalmi is difficult. And what we do is we explain it in simple words. We don't use technical language. We don't use, we don't use the language that's in our Gemara, the back and forth. There you go from the Gemara has a discussion, back and forth, how to interpret a Pasuk. One person will say this letter means this. One person will say this letter means that. And they learn different parts of, they learn different laws. So the Shatla Vitari of the Gemara that you leave out. That's correct. We get to the essence mm-hmm. and the core of it to give you the teaching of the Talmud, 
rather than the structure of the Talmud. This is uh -huh. not to take the place of studying Gemara, but somebody that has no exposure to Gemara, or somebody that's looking up for a Dvar Torah at their Shabbos table can pick this up and they have it in a language that they could actually share it with their children wow. and the others at the table. A teacher who's um, in, in most communities, in most Haredi communities, women don't study Talmud. A woman could pick this up and when she's teaching the Chumash, she could teach a student what the Gemara says on the Pasuk. Uh, I have a son-in-law who's a first grade Rebbe and sometimes he'll grab it just for something, a thought to share with the children that's on the Pasuk that they're studying. So this has, it's a very, it's a very broad-based work in terms of who it speaks to. It speaks to a broad audience. And I guess one of the challenges is conveying the Gemara's message, conclusion, essence, however you want to describe it, without the reader needing to understand the context. Well, we give the context. Was, you we do actually give do the give the context. context. We give, we, we, when we discuss the laws of Bikurim, we'll explain to you before, before as an introduction, what mm. Bikurim is mm -hmm. at every step of the way. And as you mentioned, it, we bring down from the Sefer HaChinuch every time there's a mitzvah that the Torah has, we have 613 mitzvahs. There are different ways to count those mitzvahs, but the Sefer HaChinuch is one of the fundamental books that lists the mitzvahs, one of the works that lists the mitzvahs. This work tells you this is the law, this is the mitzvah that we get from this pasuk, or these are the mitzvahs that we get from this pasuk. When the title of the mitzvah is not sufficient, we give you a little capsule of what the mitzvah is, so mm -hmm. that everybody could learn the pasuk, and this is, oh, this is where it came from. I never realized. And um, again, that's something that takes what Moshe Rabbeinu was taught at Sinai and brings it down to us as one whole, as one whole Unit, body, so one whole unit, right. Now, the, you, you've done now Dvarim, so it's a complete we've set. Done, we've actually did Dvarim earlier. We just finished right. by Midbar. So, finished by Midbar. Set. So now the set is complete. Did you find that any particular Seder was more tedious or more difficult? Was there more commentary on one uh, than the other? Yes, there's certainly more on Vayikra okay. than, any, than any other Sefer. Um, fortunately, Sefer Vayikra is shorter in text. Right. So it's the sort of volume won't be. Right, the volume won't be wasn't overwhelming. We, and there was a lot more technical material in Sefer Vayikra. Sefer Bereshis obviously had much more, had many more Agadaic teachings. There were only, and there were only three mitzvahs in uh, all of Bereshis. Mm -hmm. And, um, but even, but even in, in Shmos, we got to the first mitzvah. So we give a little background. First mitzvah is Achodesh HaZelachem, Kiddush HaChodesh. We give a background of how the Jewish calendar is structured. In sim again, in simple language so that a teenager it speaks to adults as well. This isn't a book for teenagers. It's right. not a book for teenagers. But it, it can speak to a teenager. It sounds like it would be a tremendous resource for Rabbonim, teachers. Uh, if you need to prepare a vart, a speech of some sort, you have really all of the Tairish Abalpeh on a particular topic right there at your fingertips. That's correct. And uh, in a very, very beautiful format. Was that something that you designed? To, to walk well, us through that. Rabshia Brander is okay. our graphics genius and a layout genius. This did go through several iterations before he came up with this layout um, that is user-friendly, right. um, that's not overwhelming. Very easy on the eye, Yes. very not overwhelming, even though there's a lot of information there. And it's broken down also into small segments, so that's also very, right. very, very Every easily digestible. Has a little, 
every segment has subhead. A little, subhead has a little title to it right. and a little catchy title. Really beautifully done. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's already a classic, and I'm sure over the years um, people will use it more and more. They'll start appreciating just how much work and time went into it, which leads me to my next question. How long did this take? This was actually done over the course of about two and a half years. Wow. Uh, and um, the original plan was for it to be written by one person, but uh, that would have been a bit overwhelming. Right. Each Chumash had, had, uh, had listed on the title pages are all the people that contributed to those to each volume. And then it went through an editing process to make sure that it was accurate, to make sure that it was easy to read and easy to understand. And uh, you know, some very Gemara editors who worked on this needed to switch from their technical mode, technical academic mode almost, to a more user-friendly, folksy mode um, that doesn't take away from the sanctity of the work, it, but it just makes the, book more, the work more accessible to right. a broader audience. And I think you see that in the final product. It's an easy read, very easy flow, and um, we already see how people have embraced it. The feedback is phenomenal. That Baruch is Hashem. We're, that's what we're hearing. It's wonderful. And uh, Baruch Hashem, people are using it, and we're very happy about that. Let's turn back the clock a little. Give our readers an insight into your process of growth here at Art School. You've been here a long time. Tell me how it started, and tell me how it evolved. Okay. I know I'm putting you on the spot here, you know. Right. I know you weren't ready for that question, but uh, we'll try have to, We'll have to take them the way they come, as they come. <laughs> exactly. For, as, as most people know, uh, Rabbi Mayer Zlatowicz was the founder of Art Scroll, and he was very involved in Sifted Ferris Yushalayim. Big Talmud of Reb Moshe, as we know. Close Talmud, very close Talmud Moshe of Reb Moshe Feinstein. And in the early 1980s, Sifted Ferris Yushalayim began doing an annual dinner for the first time in decades. I was learning the Yeshiva of Staten Island, which is a division of, of MTJ, and um, I was conscripted to help, help run the dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to know Rabbi Zlatowicz that way, or mayor, and um, he had mentioned to me if I was ever looking for a job, I should uh, drop him a line. What were you doing at the time? At the time I was still single. Okay. Um, so I went through, I got married, so I got married a few years later, and we worked annually on the dinner. And you were still learning in the Kail? I was in the Kail for Shiva a few I was in the Kail and Shiva Staten Island for several years, then I began working for the Agura for a few years, and then came time that I, uh, was, we were going through a career change. Yeah. And um, What were I, you doing at Agoda then? I was a director of Tsire, I was doing mm-hmm. fundraising for Iranian Rescue, right. and um, I ran, we began Amechad at that time, I was involved in that, there were several things I was doing there, and I gave Mayor a call and I said... Well, what year are we talking about? We're dealing 19... with 80, we're dealing with 1990. 1990. That's when it ended. It, it was there from 88 to 90, and... 30 years ago. 30 years ago. And I began at Art Scroll, I believe it was the end of January of 1990. I began in sales, and uh, I was doing some editing on the side. Over the course of uh, the next four years, I continued to do editing on the side and did sales. In 1994, there were some staff changes, and I 
was given the current position of being essentially managing editor, or we don't really have titles here, there's no middle management, everybody <laughs> does what they do. Work as a team here. We work as a team, it's a very, everything is a collaborative effort, and we're all in it together. We want to we want to produce the best thing that we can, the best product, most accurate product, most helpful product that we can. Now, Artsko at the time was already a well-known name. We know Rabbi Zlatowicz started with Miguel Sester in the 70s. By then, uh, the Siddur was already out. Um, many other volumes. When Amr you Shnais, came up, Amrishnayis was underway. Mm -hmm. um, the Gemara had not yet started. Got it. The what Stone projects Chum were the, you? The Stone Chumash was not yet. When I came in as sales, the Gemara had not yet started, and mm -hmm. the Chumash was not yet. The, Chum, the Stone Chumash was not yet out. Um, a lot of the classics that people know us for have been published over the last 30 years. So as time went on, you moved into the position of managing editor. Your job responsibility, it sounds like, shifted. My job responsibility shifted. I was out of sales, and I was really dealing very hands-on with many aspects of production of the books, not just with the not just with the editing. I was also dealing with catalogs. I was dealing with a lot of the promotions at the time. We were a lot smaller then, mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of people wore a lot of different hats. As, as our proje project load increased, we new staff joined us. Mandy Hertzberg joined. He took off most of the most of the day-to-day -day moving, shepherding the projects. Became his his domain. I dealt more with the writers, as you know. You were you're one of our authors, <laughs> so uh, we dealt with different people at different stages of the of production, of production of writing, the editing. Right. right. That's right. We have a wonderful team of editors, and. Um, now, I currently work basically on projects, but I still deal with a lot of the questions that the editors have on their books. I have to make it clear that we have most of our projects really are their own self-enclosed project. So the Gemara, or the Mishnayis, or the Mishnah Elucidated, or our Hebrew Mishnah, or Hebrew Talmud, or the Yushalmi, or Unkelis, or Ein Yaakov, we have all these major projects. They have an entire team with its own editor, with the, with its own editorial structure mm -hmm. and hierarchy. I don't deal with those farm generally, right? But um, but over the past several years, we've we've were we dealt with the chumash of the teachings of the Talmud. We did a Sephardi sitter. I assisted Rabbi Danziger in, in coordinating um, the introductory volume to the Talmud. Very so popular past, volume, right? Yeah. So over the past year or two, sure. That's uh, that's. That's where I, that's what I've been doing. Now you got to work with the legendary Rabbi Meir Zlotowitz. Yes. Really, uh, uh, you know, what could you say about the, one of the greatest pioneers, perhaps the greatest disseminator of Torah in in history? Really, when you break it down, just how far-reaching his his works are, um, and Artsko has reached every corner of the globe. What do you remember learning from Rabbi Zlotowitz early on? And what lessons did he teach you that you've taken with you over the subsequent two and a half, two decades? There are a lot of lessons. We have to get it right. We have responsibility to people to get it right. And we're here really, our main mission is to disseminate Torah. We do a lot of other works and we publish a lot of light, lighter reading that non, what appears to be non-Torah works. Mm -hmm. But when we publish a novel, that novel has to reflect Torah values. Sure. And it has to reflect 
positively on Torah values. We have a responsibility not only to teach Torah, but that we have to make the Torah life and Torah lifestyle beloved to people because it is a very fulfilling life and it's a wonderful life. And we have an opportunity to reach out to people on so many levels. Rabbi Zlatowicz's vision was incredible, um, although I would, I would dare to say that even with his vision, he didn't envision how great an impact he would have mm-hmm. on Israel. But to undertake a project like the Talmud Yerushalmi, for instance, which was a closed book to all but, a closed safer to all but the greatest Talmud Chachamim for centuries and centuries and centuries. And to say, we're going to undertake to open that up to Klal Yisrael. No, it's not going to be popular. No, it won't have the sales that of the Bavli. Of the Bavli or of most other works that we do. Right. But we're opening up, as he said many times, that, that might, he feels that that was our greatest contribution. Wow. Is because people were studying Gemara. Not as many people, not nearly as many people right. were studying Gemara. But, you Bavli, but to take Yerushalmi, which was closed, and to have to have a Goyen, like Ravar and Leib Shneiman, use our Gemara, use our Hebrew Yerushalmi, with his Zatzal, Ravar and Zatzal, to use our Hebrew Yerushalmi with the Chabura that he was learning Yerushalmi with, because whenever they had a question, they encountered something, his Chavrusa, Moshe with the Schneider, sure. um, would say, oh, it says here in the notes, this net. Really? Ron Leib, on his own, wrote a thank you letter that's published in the, the Yerushalmi and subsequent let, volumes of Yerushalmi. He wrote a thank you letter to the editors for wow. producing it. So when you're taking, that, that, that's vision, and that's not, that's very uncommon. Right. That's a commitment. And it's a commitment when you when you invest in a book, and you invest in a novel, and you invest serious money, and and then there's a there's a, there's a hashkafic issue, and you have to drop it. That that takes courage too. And because Rameir operated l'shem shemayim, and he didn't take sales as the single barometer as to whether to undertake a project. The bottom line Obviously. wasn't the bottom line. Right, exactly. Because right. Yerushalmi would not be on the top of the list for that reason. That's correct. But he did open it up to the wider world beyond the uh, you know, elite scholars who may have been studying it. Right, Gedai is taking it to the next level with opening up Unkelos. Unbelievable. With Yaakov, right. Taisfus. Right. There's so much more that's going on. No question, but Gedali Zlanowitz has, has, has shepherded Art Scroll from his father's vision and continued it to bring a lot of these new projects to fruition. That's but great. I want to jump in. We know Reb, Reb Meir Zlatowicz was, he strove for perfection. And when art school readers go to the store, if they buy books online, they get that final product, it shines. It's beautiful. But we know that sometimes behind the scenes, things aren't always so neat. And I want to ask you, give us some insight into crisis. Take us through some of the days and nights when maybe things weren't so neat and uh, you know you had to muster up some uh, strength and uh, fortitude that maybe you didn't have to get a project from inception, from idea to fruition. I'll, I'll address that on two levels. Um, before my times, uh, Mayor had been working, they had hired somebody to work on, say for Yona, and uh, this is a well-known anecdote, I was close to 
Yom Kippur, I'm not sure exactly when it was, but it was close to the deadline when Mayer, who was editing the commentary, or Ray Sherman, who was editing the commentary, noticed that the author had written that Rashi had made a mistake. And they felt that was totally not acceptable. But it was more than not acceptable, they felt that an author who's coming with that philosophy, it's not somebody whose work we can really trust or who should be one of our authors. And Reb Mayer sat down and wrote and wrote those... Uh, and a, wrote brand new, a brand new a brand commentary. New, a brand new commentary on Yonah wow. in a very short period of time. When we were working on the Gemaras, we had a very tight deadlines. I was not working on the Gemaras per se, but they were working on tight deadlines because of Dafyomi. And it came out over the course of two Dafyomi cycles. Mm -hmm. And very often, somebody would be looking at the proofs. The proofs would be in Manhattan. We didn't, printing wasn't digital then. Things were much, the printing process was much different than it is today. It's more archaic. Yeah. Right? And um, so very often, we'd work through the night looking at proofs. And sometimes at the, the guy who's looking through the proofs would notice that he had a question about something that was written. And he'd be calling the editors at 3 in the morning saying what's going on. And then they'd scramble and re-edit, revisit the issue. Would you receive a phone call in the middle of the night? And no. No. Um, the person checking the blueprints would be making the phone call to the Gemara editors. Okay. And uh, I very often I was the guy checking the blueprints. Right. And um, sometimes it'd be a scramble and all of a sudden you'd get a car service to run film back into the city so wow. that the volume could get out on time. How would that change nowadays that things are digital? Would it be easier to correct something last minute about to go on the press? Yes, certainly. Mm -hmm. uh, we have the ability today with this, the materials that we do print on demand for sure. Um, now print on demand to explain to readers means that we print actually on site. OddScroll has a uh, has a bindery on site safer craft. Right. We've had seven we have had a bindery on on the site for years okay. because to be able to keep our deadlines with both the Gemara and before that Malzorim and to be able to keep those deadlines it was Bindries would take a long time to turn around projects. Mm -hmm. So we had our own bindery so that as soon as it comes in from the printer, we could bind. Over the past nine years or so, we've uh, been doing print on demand where we've had actual printing on site. Mm -hmm. Now in our new facility here in Rahway, we've expanded that even further. We have, uh, we have a series of presses that are running 24 hours a day. Really? 24 hours a day? They run 24 hours 24 a day. 24-6? No, they run 24-4, I believe. Uh-huh. But, uh, uh -huh. but I guess the people who man the presses also need a break. Yes, they need a break too. <laughs> and but now you make the change on you make a change in the file, you replace the PDF file, and the new file Ship goes on press. You don't need films. You don't need somebody to strip it all together and lay it out. Right. Compose it. What would you say has been the most challenging project you've worked on since you joined ArtScroll? Most challenging project I've worked on personally. Yeah, you personally. Yeah. I'd have to say the Sephardi sitter. Really? Why is that? It brought me to a whole new world of Nusach, Hatfila. It brought me to an entire new, new framework of Hilchas Tefillah. Mm -hmm. Because the postcom that they follow, whether it be Chamovadia or Benishchai, very often what we take as givens, what we learned in 
Kitzur and Mishnabura of Chayi Adam that guide us and our Halchos Tefillah. Saying us as Ashkenazim. Ashkenazim, I mean, right, that this is right. me. The, the, the framework Ashkenazi that I grown, know. Ashkenazi born and bred. Ashkenazi grown, born and bred. The, what, uh, what guides me in Halchos Tefillah are the Halachas that we follow. That you're familiar that with. That I'm familiar with. Right. Brought me to a whole new levels of and each uh, the different commu- different Sephardi communities have different nuschais right. and different customs. Right, right. And there's the there are Moroccans, right. Persians. This brought us into contact with with halachic authorities and authorities on minhagim of the various communities, and working with a team of 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 Sephardi of Sephardim from various communities we were able to produce a sitter that is unique in that it addresses the various menhagim and eschais of most of those communities. Mm-hmm. And um, I've heard from many Sephardim, I'm using the term, I'm using the term Sephardim, but Sephardim doesn't really include Moroccans, and Sephardim right. doesn't really right. include Persians right. or Bukharans. But all those that daven, that's the, the neschais that, that are similar and that are different from the Ashkenaz, Ashkenaz slash Sfars that right. we're used to. Are, are I've spoken to people from all those backgrounds, and they are they love the sitter not only because they it opened up tefillah to them, just like the art school sitter opened tefillah to everyone. To, to everyone, all the Ashkenazi the Ashkenazi communities, thirty years ago, thirty five years ago. The this sitter opened tefillah to them. It gave them the inspiration and the, and the translation and the meaning and the depth that they, that they so sought. Mm-hmm. But not only that, but it reflected and gave them instructions for what they should be doing based on their nosach and it reflected their nosach. It is a beautiful siddur and the feedback from Svarda communities of all types and what we call Svardi obviously has a very, very broad connotation, broader than the real definition, but the feedback has been phenomenal. Yes, it has been. Baruch Hashem. Very now, well received. We said you're an editor here in Art School. Now, forgive me for asking, but what is an editor? What does an editor do? Wherever an editor works, they're dealing with language, correcting language, making sure that the writing is clear, a reader understandable to a reader, and that's across the board, any place an editor works. Here at Art School, there's, there, were, there were additional layers in terms of trying to ensure that the material is accurate in terms of content when they cite, when they cite a commentary, commentary, when they cite a, ta- a Talmudic citation. It's the editor's role to keep his antennae attuned to errors. Now, no, no editor can check every source in every book. But if they see something that might be amiss, they're, they're looking it up, they're checking it out. Another thing is hashkafa. We're coming from a hashkafa that's been formed by the Gedali Yisrael, the leadership, the leaders of Kali Yisrael, who have led us, who have guided us, going back to the early days of Art Scroll, from Rav Moshe Feinstein, Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky, Rav Mordechai Gifter, to Lahavdal Ben Chaim Lechaim, Rav David Feinstein, Rav David Feinstein, Rav David Cohen, Rav Hold David. As, uh, these are these are people that we can, we have consulted. I just got a call last week from Rav Hold David, 
that uh, he was reading one of our books and uh, he found uh, something that was obviously an editor had made a change there mm -hmm. and it turned into a it, it was a gaffe mm -hmm. we actually went ahead and had and corrected it immediately wow. in all the books that we had in stock even so um, we the, the, we were, we have to reflect the Torah hashkafa that has been passed down to us by our Torah luminaries right. and um, sometimes we've dropped books as as I mentioned we've we've dropped the book well into the editing process because uh, wasn't we have up to par because we have a responsibility to to do what's right mm. now an editor obviously you you referenced it before there's the literary part of it besides the Ashkafa part um, dealing with a lot of transliterations. In fact, I would say that Art Scroll has kind of set the template for the Tyra world in transliterating. In a lot of people have replicated it since then. Walk us through that. How you're here from the early days? How was that style sheet, so to speak, compiled? And has it evolved at all, or has it basically stayed the same over the last thirty years? There are two. The, the template was made far before I came here. I okay. came here 15 years into the company. Um, we use an Ashkenaz, it, it's a hybrid, as we explained in our early works, it's a hybrid of Ashkenazi spelling and Sephardic vowelization. Which so I always found interesting. Hey, what, right. What's the background of that? I walked, you don't know. I walked into it, it finished. Pre it preceded you. It preceded me. But you carry it on faithfully. Yes, we carry it on faithfully. What did evolve over the years is that our readership has become more used to certain. Our readership has become more used to certain terms. Mm. When Art Scroll began, um, there was a vast readership that wouldn't know how to deal with Yaakov or Yehoshua or Bereshus. Mm -hmm. They knew Genesis. Right. They knew Joshua. I did notice in the Stone Edition of the Chumash. So the, in the commentary, it is what we would call anglicized. It's Moses and Jacob as opposed That's to correct. Moshe and Yaakov. Whereas right. in storybooks or other things like that, it would, be, um, it would be Moshe and Yaakov, the terms that people have gone to yeshiva are more familiar with. Even our Gemara, I believe, it's, I believe in even our Gemara, it's Moshe. And uh, that's, that's become more standard today than mm -hmm. it was um, as the public became more familiar with these terms. At the beginning, again, um, when, when our sitter hit 25 years old, a friend of mine, who was not a friend of mine at the time, I didn't know him, named, a fellow named Ron Coleman, wrote a beautiful essay, a tribute to the art school sitter at age 25. Oh. He, he, as a He's our lawyer. He's one of our lawyers now. We mm -hmm. use him. He's our intellectual property lawyer, but he wasn't then. He wrote a beautiful piece about how meaningful this sitter was to him in helping him adapt culturally to shul. It told you where to stand. It told you where to sit. It told you mm -hmm. where to bow. It told you where to step back. It told you where to step forward. It gave you those tools that you were too embarrassed to ask. Should or it stand out like a sore thumb or right. uncomfortable asking. Many years ago, probably several months after I took on this role, I got a phone call from somebody in Pennsylvania, I will, the county will remain nameless, um, who told me that he just wanted to let me know that they had been part of a conservative temple 
and an article sitter made its way there. Oh. And the people started getting very, a number of the people there, a number of the congregants, became very offended that, their, that the service was not following the text and the instructions of the sitter. Mm -hmm. And they ended up making a halachic minion based on the art school sitter. Well. Um, they made the first Orthodox, but they said that what that fellow averred was the first Orthodox shul in that county. Phenomenal. Who would have the who school sitter. I went to Rabbi Sherman, I said, you, you know. Imagine who, the schus. Right. It's Amazing. unbelievable. I actually recently saw an article that said that there's been an increase in the use of art scroll sidurim in non-Orthodox congregations. Right. Which is a fascinating thing. You would think that they would have an aversion to it because all the customs are orthodox, strict adherence to halacha, but the siddur is so flawless. Such a beautiful presentation. And like you said before, it gives newcomers to prayer, newcomers to shul, a certain comfort level that I guess just can't be replicated. And even non-Orthodox congregations are using it. And now I see who knows what kind of positive impact it could have that really bring people to halachic observance, which is remarkable. Right, which leads me, actually, the sitter and the chumash lead us to the unheralded so far gem here at Art School, which is Rabbi Nelson Sherman, who is a partner with Rabbi Zlatowicz, um and was, was the author of our translation of the Siddur and, and the insights, and as well as the Stod Chumash, which has literally transformed people's, these works have transformed people's lives. Um, in the early works, he edited Rabbi Zlatowicz's writings. He, he um, wrote the overviews, which sure. opened entire world, entire world of machshava to, to generations of people. I grew up uh, before Art Scroll, right. really. Um, there was I nothing was, like I, those overviews there, before, there not, and I would say there's been no. nothing like it since. That's correct. So it's a really, uh, there's a reason why Rabbi Sherman is what we may be the father of Torah literature right. um, in contemporary times. And you've been, I'll, I'll segue a bit here, you've merited to work with quite a few legends in the world of Torah literature. It was Rabbi Meir Zlatowicz, now carried on by Rabbi Gedalia, as well as Rabbi Sherman you mentioned, Rabbi Shia Brander, a legend in his own right and uh, the likes of Rabbi Eli Krohn, also, who's a graphics genius. So you've been surrounded by so many of these people. It's, hum well, it's humbling to be among geniuses, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, you know, the, the, when the Maraglam came, they said they were like uh, grasshoppers. Right. So that's sort of what you feel, that's what I feel like when I walk down the hall here. So as I hop down the hall, um, Rabshia Brander brought Again, to hark back to the fact that I grew up before, I grew up, I was entering high school when the first art school work came out. Right. Um, so I really grew up with that art school. And there was a certain template for Jewish books, boring covers, boring insides, um, graphically dry, shall right. we say. Even the storybooks were just dry. This transformed Jewish literature in terms of graphics, in terms of an exciting color cover on a Jewish book was almost unheard of right. before Megillus Esther. The, the fonts, contemporary fonts, contemporary layouts, 
for something completely new to Jewish literature. So it made, these, it made Jewish literature not only accessible on a literary level, because again, art school did away with the thys and the thous and the right, these right. that we that that most that the Bible translations have had until then. It, sure. it speaks to the it speaks to the contemporary public. It speaks in a language and it presents it Rupshia. And again, just remember, Rameir and Rupshia, Rameir had a had a graphics background, right? And and Rupshia was working with him at art school studios. At art school studios. So they had an eye for the graphics and the aesthetic, and the art school aesthetic. Look at the binding of our Gemara, how much work and design went into that. Right. And that's something that that Ripshia continues to do, and Eli and Eli continues, with. Really, that we transformed Jewish literature in that way too, and made it exciting and appealing to a much broader audience than Jewish literature had been until then. Well, listen, the the excitement has not waned. Uh, Baruch Hashem, Atzko keeps churning out quality volumes. The public eats them up. Um, readers eagerly await, you know, to see what new book is coming out. They wait for the ads, and uh, you've been a tremendous part of it till now. And uh, our tefillah is you should continue to enrich the Torah public with many more volumes and be to continue. Amen. Thank you very Thank much you. for having me.